Hello, Ben Bailey-Smith here. And Sasha Bates. And this is the podcast where we shrink the heads of our favourite iconic TV characters, work out what makes them tick, and, and see what we can learn along the way. Um, this is kind of a different episode though, Sash, yeah. because it is our very first ever live Shrink the Box. How about that? It's what, you call, it's what you call ambiance. Sash, uh, what are we looking at this week? We are looking at one of the BBC's most popular comedies. It's called Ghosts. And we're going to be looking at the ghosts individually and collectively, because they do house share, and look at the relationships between them and between their living inhabitants, talking yep. of whom. We have uh, the, the very much alive actor writer, comedian, who plays Mike, who inherits the house via his, his wife, Alison. Uh, so ladies and gents, please welcome my good friend, Kyle Smith Bino. Hello. How you doing? I feel alive. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. You look great. And, and the, the mic just adds that sort of whole sort of... Thank you. I'm going to keep it. Completes the Backstreet Boys... Uh, vibe. Yeah, I want. This isn't really a chair that I can spin around on. No, uh, we were going to get you a, a stool once we saw you in the mic, so that you could be oh, ready right. for a ballad. But but no, they spent it. Not. You spent it. Kyle, for for those listening at home, is is rocking a a, a sound man's dream. Yeah, of a, yeah. Of a, of a, of a, <laughs> you want to hear my taxi? You want to hear what I'm wearing? <laughs> <laughs> so for those who haven't seen it, you're, obviously you're letting yourselves down horribly. It's an amazing season. Can you just sort of set up what Ghosts is about? There's a young couple who inherit an old house because the wife in the couple, played by Charlotte Ritchie, is the last living relative of the last person who lived there. And she inherits this massive county home, basically. In the process of doing up the home, she falls out a window, bumps her head, and she can see all the ghosts that have ever lived there. As you do. <laughs> and she, at first, can't believe that it's really happening and then it's, it's proved that this is real and this is her reality now and Mike her husband sort of has to just go along with it <laughs> and, he, and he does which is a beautiful thing yeah I mean it's, it, it, for me it's like an instant classic show it was actually my kids that put me onto it hmm. I mean they're both obsessed with Bainton obviously right. from Horrible Histories days and when I saw the cast I assumed it was some kind of extension of horrible histories and right. I thought it was for kids they were like no 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 you go watch it you go watch it and then I realized oh my gosh this is one of those rare treats like a genuinely universal mm. program yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they, obviously there's adult jokes in it sometimes it's even kind of a little scary yeah sometimes it's it's incredibly sad and it's surprisingly moving but it just overall feels like a massive warm hug and of course, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You know, start yeah. to finish. Um, Sash, you, you're, yeah, you're a fan. Yeah, I love it. I've, I've been a fan from the beginning. I mean, it's funny. It is heartwarming. You learn a bit about history. You learn a bit about people. And I think it's really interesting because you've got all these people from different eras and mm. their values and their beliefs and the society they live in couldn't be more different. But they have to learn to get along and the way we live now with the division and the tribalism and cancel culture and they they're stuck there they're literally stuck there and they have to somehow accommodate for each other um so i think there's some lessons to be learned yeah. absolutely i think also it came out at a time where it was quite relevant in terms of like people being stuck in houses together 
Series one came out in 2019, mm. but then series two came out in 2020 and we were in lockdown. And it was a thing of like, you're stuck in this house together, you're bored, you might not necessarily like the people you're with, but you have to get on anyway. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. So yeah. it would have had a, it would have had a like, bit more of a, like a sort of different resonance, I suppose, yeah, yeah. with, with yeah. its audience. All right, so listen, coming up, we're going to ask what it's like sharing your wife with a group of ghosts and whether that might be a metaphor for, for partnerships. We're going to ask how you act alongside dead people and why these spirits are so bloody needy. And of course, um, there'll be spoilers if you haven't seen it, uh, catch up, and there'll probably be some ghoulish language because I just I can't help swearing, Kyle. It's a problem. Ghoulish language, yeah. I like that. Ghoulish. Sure. Yeah. We'll take a peek at Fanny. Yes. So welcome to Shrink the Box. All right, so just to give you a little recap, a little flavour of the show, here's, uh, uh, not our show, but uh, of Ghosts, here's a little clip. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, the morning after the night before. Gives gives you a real good flavour because sometimes it does feel a bit like a horror with the, the jump scares. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's, al there's always a little jump scare, and all, but it always makes you laugh at the same time. I'm just wondering, like, when you first got involved, what did you think of the Mike character? Because like, when I think of you, I, you know, a smile always comes to my face because you're always, always funny. But Mike is kind of the straight man. Yeah, yeah. Fair? And I also think that, like, from the script that I received to before the audition to what actually went out on TV, there was a big journey. And I think that the writers realized that they'd found someone that was good for the part, but wasn't, re wasn't what they had in their head. So they had right. to change it a little bit to right. make it more me. And we sort of met in the middle, I guess. There's no way of telling the story without it sounding like I'm boasting, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, so there was a scene where Mike looks in the mirror and lifts up his top and he like hits his belly and then he's like, Pfft. and then when we, when we did that in the rehearsals, everyone was like, well, there's no point in doing that. <laughs> there's not really much jiggle. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sorry guys, I'm so ripped. Um, <laughs> But those sort of things, like aesthetic things, but also like comedy things and things that they hadn't even seen as funny. And I was looking through the script going like, he's got a lot of gaps because there's points where Alison's talking to the ghosts mm. and it's like, what's Mike doing in those times? Yeah, yeah. So I was always constantly finding something for him to do in the house. And it helps that you've got this house which is sort of like falling apart. So you can at any time just grab something and know that it's going to break. <laughs> or, so like it was always finding the the bits in between and and that was like my main go-to as soon as I got the script to audition with I was like how do I find make the in-between bits funny yeah 
there's a period throughout the latter half of season one where I feel like a lot of what you're doing in the background is thinking about your next poo. Because like, <laughs> so, someone's going to be watching. So I thought that, that is a constant stress to have in your life. Yeah. So, uh, there's yeah. only two places I can shit, which is my house and my mum's house. And that's it. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that would be a nightmare for me. But just quickly, like, um, <laughs> if there was like a really nice hotel room, you'd be all right? Y- yes. Yes, I would. Cleanliness sure. is obviously a big part of yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I find that so it's become so ingrained one. that my body just sort of seizes up. Really? I once went five days at Glastonbury. <laughs> Nothing. Wow. No movement. Quite helpful with you at Glastonbury. Yeah, it was very helpful at Glastonbury at the time. Yeah, that was before the VIP days. So, <laughs> um, Sash, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in Mike and Alison individually, but as a pair as well. You know, when I think about like me and my wife buying a house, like mm. how stressful every element of it was. Mm. Like that alone is enough to like <laughs> tear a marriage in two. Mm. But these two, there's something so lovely about the way they seem like they, they stay a team, they stay yeah. calm. You know, if, if Mike was to come into my consulting room, I'd think, <laughs> why are you here? Because he's so well adjusted, really. He's so <laughs> loving and caring and funny and I think a lot of that is to do with his relationship with Alison. It's both sort of cause and effect. I think he's able to have a great relationship with her because he's pretty well adjusted. And because of that, she's great to him and he's great to her. And so they kind of like improve each other's mental health, Mm, really. mm. They never really kind of turn on each other. Even when things go wrong, they work as a team and they keep each other interested. But yeah, I mean, generally for somebody to be so well adjusted and so giving and loving and, and, and kind, they probably either had an awful lot of therapy or they've been well brought up and or they've got a good relationship. So he's clearly got the good relationship mm. and you kind of get the sense that he's had a pretty secure background. If you're going to kind of like leap off a cliff, you want to be pretty sure that you've got a stable, if you're an abseiler, you want to be pretty sure that the, you've got something stable holding you. And that's the same with, with us, really. The more stable our childhood, the more stable our base, the more risks we can take, the more adventures we can go on. And buying the house in the first place is a massive adventure. I mean, it's not no small undertaking mm. really yeah I think it's a measure of, of how how well they support each other mm. that they're able that he's able to like take this huge leap not into just the house but into kind of like take this leap into her saying do you know what I'm seeing ghosts and they're here all around us and he's like yeah okay fine yeah. I, tru- I trust you let's, is, go, let's go with that there is a big but though isn't there in that even with him accepting this thing as as real and not being you know a, a sure sign of madness he would have to also accept that there are a number of re- relationships being mm. built here that he can never be a part of, he can never mm. be privy to, yeah. which would have to create some level of strain or at least low-level an- anxiety, right? Because mm. it'd be like being married and your wife has this group of friends that you're never allowed to meet, mm. you don't know what they look like, mm. you can never come to the parties, you yeah. can ne- never come to the events. Well, a lot of people do live like that in a way. I mean, we all don't know what our partners are getting up to when they're at work or out with their mates. So there's a lot of not knowing that we all have to tolerate. I mean, that's a very extreme example. But I think a lot of us are having to manage quite complicated feelings about what's going on that we can't see. And again, the more kind of well-adjusted you are, the more you're able to trust yourself and trust the other person. To be out in a world that you're not in. Yeah, but if you have, you know, had quite a good stable upbringing, you get what is called an internalised good object. So 
you've got that internal knowing that someone is there even if they're not there. So even if mum goes out the room, if you're a child, you've got this internalised representation that you know she's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they've both got that. They have that, that solid reliability that, yeah, I don't exactly know what you're up to, but I'm, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to trust. And not everybody has that. Again, pretty well adjusted, I would say, <laughs> but, but he's he able to go with it. Sort of isolated in a weird way as well like they're both sort of alone with something specific like Alison is obviously alone with this kind of superpower Mm. type thing that she's Mm. got of being able to be around these ghosts and see them and then Mike is more sort of almost like (laughs) literally alone with it because he can't see him it it made me think about like the filming process because obviously when we're watching it we see Alison with all the ghosts. Then when we see you, yeah. there's just no one there. Mm-hmm. So we, were you shooting everything twice? Was it, yeah, was yeah. it weird? Like, yeah, so we do the ghost version with everyone there. And then we do a no ghost pass and get rid of all the ghosts. That is a bit where I have to remember where... You can't dig around with your mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they like, have to lock off the camera mm. and everything stays in the same place. All of those things. Also, because a ghost can't touch the props, they never have to worry about any of that stuff. <laughs> Whereas I'm like always carrying seven things. And so we have to like be aware of all of those things as well. Very, very rarely we get to do it the other way around where we do it no ghost first. And that would only be for logistics or like the amount of people in a room or stuff like that. And in series one, episode four, where we have the film crew in, there's a plot in the story that you can't have too many people on the floorboards in the ballroom. And that is true. Mm. And oh really? <laughs> and yeah, so like there's actual areas in the house where it's like you can't have that many people in here. <laughs> so sometimes logistically it works better that like there's no ghosts in that bit mm-hmm. or we've sort of um created this way of like you know that if Alison's talking to someone you know that there's probably a ghost and you can tell by what she's saying that they you you probably know who she's talking to. So they've created the the idea that like we don't always have to see the ghosts. You know that they're there. Mm. So we can do more um, no ghost pass. And it, it's sort of like, it all works out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd hate to be like the first AD working on yeah. it. But it all Once works out. Once you get out. a rhythm going though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's tough to remember sometimes, mm. especially when you've like been on another job for like eight months of the year or whatever, and you come back to this and it's like your first day and you're catching up. With like Jim Howick, and then you start a scene, and then he says something, and you're like, I'm like, no, can't do that. What a beautiful performer Jim is, man. Yeah. I love Pat Butcher so much. I only just found out his surname today. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Sasha, I wanted to talk to you about this um, sort of, is, is it a love triangle? It's not really a love triangle because Mike's not that um, aware of, of Thomas's existence, but Matthew mm. Bainton's character, Thomas, mm. is this sort of foppish poet who claims to have been a, a rival of Byron's. And, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's sort of madly in love yeah. with Alison. He's gone from being a rival of Byron's to being yeah. a rival of Mike's. It's and, quite... Uh, <laughs> and she knows this. And she knows this well. I, uh, she doesn't discuss it necessarily. No. Uh, I, I don't think she discusses it at all with Mike in the, in the first series. Mm-mm. I mean, we do see him serenade her. We see uh, Thomas serenade. He, he, <laughs> he, he, he basically 
palms off I Should Be So Lucky yeah. by Kylie Minogue <laughs> as a poem of his own because he's, he's heard it on the radio. And he serenades her while she's in bed. Yeah, yeah, no, um, he doesn't really respect boundaries. No. <laughs> none, none of them really respect no, boundaries. Kitty, we'll get on to her later. But, um, yeah. but he's, he does, he sort of epitomises that kind of that notion of romantic love where your love is up on a pedestal and they're idealised. But, you know, people still feel like that now. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, someone we talked about recently, Tanya McQuad in, in White Lotus. She was kind of chasing a fantasy of not a real person that had real problems, that's some sort of idealised knight on, in shining armour. And Thomas is very much part of that, that world of, I don't really want a real person because a real person has flaws and I don't want to see your flaws which is also why I think Mike and Alison work so well together they kind of accept each other's mistakes and, and issues and they're there to pick each other up whereas Thomas just kind of needs her to to be a sort of goddess and obviously that's never gonna work I think he actually says at one point in the first series that he fa he's fallen in love with like every woman he's ever seen which is kind of like yeah. a an interesting insight into to, yeah. to where his head's at so it's like more of a projection thing is what you're saying like Definitely. Alison is just new she's like a new yeah she's just the latest a new one yeah exactly she's just the latest incarnation but I mean another character we looked at recently George from Seinfeld I mean he also wants perfection but both George and Tanya are ultimately I mean well Tanya sort of dies for for her inability to see uh what is not a fantasy and George remains alone, but they're both really unhappy. Whereas uh, Mike and Alison being able to kind of deal with each other's issues and they've learned the art of compromise, which actually is what the ghosts also have to do. They couldn't be more different. They've had to learn the art of compromise and the fact that people do, do make mistakes. And you get that from good parenting. Your parents aren't going to kind of shout at you or attack you, hopefully, for doing something wrong. They're going to kind of brush yeah. you off and pick you up and, and hug you and tell you it's okay, which is what those two do, do for each other. So it's not really about not being able to cope with things going wrong. It's about being able to adapt, being adaptable, getting yourself back to a place of, of stability. Yeah, so Alison, for example, she finds it relatively easy, even though she's had this, what you feel is like a, a, a long-term crush on this movie star when mm. he actually turns up and flatters her. yeah. She finds it flattering, but, mm. you know, there's never any... No. You, you never think for a second she's going to do anything no. stupid, even though it does create yeah. jealousy in Mike. And, and yeah. you know, it's not often we see Mike riled. He just sort of totally accepts that he's living with poltergeists. And he sort of has two families in a way. He's got his wife and, and all these sort of surrogate ghost children. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's also got his real family. Yeah. And when we see his real family, he does get stressed. Yeah. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what your take... Yeah, I, Kyle, don't come from a, I, Kyle, don't come from a <laughs> big family. And I didn't grow up with a lot of, it was like me and my mum, basically. Mm. So when I got the chance to, to play this character with two sisters that really annoy me, <laughs> him, hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, <laughs> it was like, it was really fun. And it's really like Simon and Ben wrote that episode and they spoke to me a lot about what my Christmases were like because I'd spend time with my cousins and they're all girls. But that is just a few days and then you're back to the rest of the year of just you and your mum at home. Yeah, we spoke a lot about what that's like and the teasing and th those sort of things. And I was, yeah, it would be really interesting to get annoyed by them constantly. And 
they aren't even aware of the um the other stress that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> which is that like I'm trying to hide that my wife can see ghosts because I don't feel like anyone would believe us. Mm. And they might think there's something wrong with her and take her away. <laughs> so like it was yeah, it was really fun to to do that and to record the video of my meltdown. That was fun. Um but yeah, it was it's a really exciting concept to be able to like let out frustration in some way. If even if it's to do with the ghost but not about the ghost. It's to do with the ghost but it's directed at my family. Yeah, and also like the the relationship with the parents as well yeah. of them doing everything when Mike is trying to be in control. Mm -hmm. And I guess there isn't much that he's able to be in control of because there's True. so many other things. There's a lot of times in the series where you'll see Mike with something and Alison is telling him like to put it down because it's in the way of something. Red and Weddy episode where they're trying to get the um, house ready for a wedding and he's digging up in the garden and she's constantly telling him to stop because there's something there and he can't dig up there and he's got to move that there because it's Kitty's favourite statue and all of those things. So I feel like the frustration that builds up in that probably came out in the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's probably spot on. All right. Well, after the break, we're going to investigate how it's not just our upbringing that shapes us. Um, we're going to find out a bit more about why Mike needs to consult a special chart in his pantry on a daily basis. So we're going to see you after the ads, unless, of course, you subscribe to the Take channel, in which case we'll see you as soon as I've thought what I'd say if I ever met a kinky MP, a failed Georgian poet, or a prim Edwardian noblewoman. Meantime, let's hope none of them get sucked off in the process. <laughs> This show is supported by BetterHelp. Uh, now, sometimes you're carrying a weight on your shoulders, but you can't find the right way to open up about it and maybe offload a bit to others. If we keep things bottled up, it can really affect us in a bad way. And therapy is a safe and anonymous place to air whatever's been troubling you. I, I know this personally. It always feels better just to speak your truth. It, it, honestly, you genuinely feel lighter. And the moan can tell you all about feeling light or heavy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash shrink the box today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash shrink the box. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help as Sex and My Boss Live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexofmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexofmyboss.com slash cinema. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious.
And we are back. Sasha, I was, I was, I was wondering if, because obviously we got the very sort of real explainer of this head trauma. And, and we sort of accept that that's why Alison can, can see these, these apparitions. But also I think I like to read into it that because she's kind of a button, or as Fanny describes her, half, half a button, <laughs> there's, there's something else going on, you know, somewhere in the ether. And that made me wonder if there's a subconscious reason we can read into why Mike doesn't have this connection, why he doesn't mm. see, or there's never any sense that he, he's going to see anything or yeah. anybody. We do now know through research that intergenerational trauma is a thing and that it's not just our family that we grow up with that's going to affect us, but the society we live in and all that has happened to our, our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. And that can leave a trace. And sometimes I think it's really important to look, look at what that is and what we might be carrying. All the ghosts, in in a way, haven't been able to really look at what's been going on for them. I think Robin's probably closest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been around for sort of millennia. But I mean, Kitty, for instance, she insists on hanging on to this notion that her sister loved her and they were great friends and she had this wonderful childhood. And then in the flashbacks, we see that her sister was really vicious and was endlessly trying to get rid of her and was endlessly saying, you know, well, of course, you're you're not the real daughter and they're not your real parents. And there is something, I mean, as far as I remember, nobody refers to Kitty's race, but they kind of are referred to it by saying, you don't belong here Mm. by saying it's not your mum. And Fanny's saying, to Alison it's not your house so I think there is something about you know children can only feel safe and grow up to be well adjusted if they feel that they can belong and that the world is a safe place and so it's in their interests to overlook all the ways in which their parents let them down because if they start to think I'm not sure my parents do know what they're doing and I'm not sure they do have my best interests at heart, then how how are they going to function in the world? And I think, you know, for generations gone past, they've had to believe that, oh, well, society does have my best interests at heart when, of course, we all know that that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys have yeah. lived experience I mean, of living it's, it's, in a country no, it's that interesting. hasn't It's interesting. I haven't, you know, I haven't really thought deeply about it. I mean, I, I'm one of those old school people of the 80s who just gets excited when there's any black person doing anything on television. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as it's not Crime Watch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. like happy. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, I also find it really exciting when there's, uh, black characters in shows and it's not like race isn't the central mm-hmm. theme mm-hmm. but yet it's still important that they're black yeah. and I wonder like how much how much if any of that was in, in the back of your mind playing Mike because there are little moments like I was watching this ghost hunting episode <laughs> actually my old friend Colin Hawke playing the um, mm. ridiculous uh, uh, sort of TV ghost hunter guy yeah. and when you come down and address them all at the gates mm-hmm. You say, oh, hi, yeah, I, I live here. And everyone just laughs at you. Yeah. And you go, no, I, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like little tiny things like that. And um, when Alison loses her ring and it falls in the guy, the builder's case, mm. and I, th- I can't remember who, if it's her who's asking um, Julian and uh, the captain, like, did you see who took it? Mm. And they did. And the guy was black, and they go, oh, um, the one with the arms. Uh, good looking yeah. one. A good looking one. Uh, he, was, uh, he was about, uh, they, could, they just couldn't. Yeah, I yeah. thought maybe, maybe there is something, but I don't know. Like, what? 
I remember when the, the trailer came out, there were a few comments of, <laughs> it was so dumb, like before it, the show had even been aired or anything, and you get those comments like, more typical woke bullshit from the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, ghosts? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that was literally just referring to an interracial couple mm. being at the, at the centre of it. Mm. Um, but it's, it is never addressed, but like, once again, when we were talking about that Christmas episode and seeing Mike's family, it was really important to me that we have some cultural things in there, even if it's just like mum kissing her teeth at yeah, the way yeah. that you've done something or like, and I tried to sort of implement that where I could. And the way that I'd speak to my sister was different to the way that I'd speak to Alison. Mm. Um, it's not like a show where it has to be completely factual in of terms course. of your cultural references. And also, I know that it's going to a wider audience. It's not a show for a certain demographic. It's massive and it's for whoever and it's worldwide. But those things were still important to me to try and keep those moments of truth. Also, when I speak to Obi, uh, played by Nathan Bryan, in the script, there was a, a lot more of like, oh, come on, mate. Mm. And I've like gone, no, nah, that's it. a bruv. Yeah, that's a bruv. Mm. Than yeah, mate. yeah. Um, so things, things like that, just making sure that that sort of rings true to me as, as coming out of my mouth. Mm. And was there any sense of um, this house was probably built on the, you know, proceeds of exploitation yeah, yeah, yeah. and here I, yeah, the, yeah. you kind of thought about that yeah definitely and I think like it's probably more interesting to get Lolly's take on like how she felt feels about like playing a character that yeah, we, we couldn't get her <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah she's expensive man like understanding what that feels like to play that character where it's sort of assumed where she came from but not explicitly mm. mentioned mm. because I guess that's not what the show's about at all no. in any yeah. way but like it is part of the history and it is part of creating a character. And I sort of had to like dig deep for other things. Like I'd never, Kyle's never done DIY. <laughs> and then they were like, right, so you you do this and it's a bit where you'd be drilling that. And I'm literally like, <laughs> right, so I, pre I press this button on this, which I, I guess is sort of the same for everyone. I mean, I guess Larry doesn't have experience being a caveman, but you know, there's certain things where, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he does. Just a guess. I only met him five years ago. Um, yeah, I think that there's certain parts where you do your research a bit more than you would yeah. um, with something else. And I, I, I wonder, I've never spoken to Lolly about it, but I wonder how what her process is. Now, opposite to what you'd expect, the ghosts get rattled themselves very easy. There's a moment where, as Alison and Mike are preparing their mansion for an event, uh, mention of a historical happening sends them and the spirits spiralling. Here's a clip. Of course we can fit a mark here. I mean, how hard can it be? They put a man on the moon. What? What, what did you say? The, uh, man on the moon? OK, I'll go get the tools. You check the measurements. Let's get ready and red. Wedding ready. Wedding. wedding ready. Let's get ready. It's wedding ready. Let's do this. Yes. Alison, <laughs> what Great. was the man doing up there on the moon? They went to explore. Oh. And how did he get there? Climb up a beanstalk, did he? Your dick's in the knob. I don't believe it. No. No. There's no way it could happen. Of course. That would be really good moment to be Okay, everyone, let's turn and burn. Oh, sorry, Mary. It's a quote from Top Gun. Let's grab the computer that folds. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That's uh, Ghost Season 2, Episode 3, entitled Reading Weddy. Reading Weddy. Reading Weddy. Reading Weddy. Reading Weddy. Reading Weddy.
Reading Witty. It reminds me of uh, <laughs> 30 Rock, that episode, The Rural Juror. Do you remember that? No, Rural, no one could say it. The Rural Juror is like a movie that <laughs> I'm not even going to try and say that. Rural Juror. Anyway, uh, Wedding Ready. Reading Weddy, starring in that clip, was Kyle Smith Bino as Mike, Charlotte Ritchie as Ellison, Lawrence Rickard as Robin, Katie Wicks as Mary, Matthew Baton as Thomas Thorne, and Jim Howick as Pat Butcher. And that episode was directed by Tom Kingsley. I'll give you the details of the team of writers and full details of the other clips at the end of this show. Now, Sash, if you had all the ghosts on your couch, <laughs> uh, first off, like who would stand out as maybe like, the one who needed... <laughs> <laughs> the most support. Um, oh, God, all of them, really. I mean, I'm, I'm quite fond of the captain. I think, you know, he's so repressed. I mean, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly gay and clearly doing everything he can to avoid having to acknowledge that to himself or to anyone else. And again, you know, as I was saying, we're not just a product of our families of origin, we're a product of the society we live in. Yeah, and, the time, yeah. You know, it was illegal. So he's, an, he's another one that could never sort of be fully himself. Even, I think it's really sad as he hides behind that kind of rigidity and the rules. And there's a really sad episode where the ghosts are chatting in one of their little lectures that they have, that they give to each other, about what would I wear if I could change my outfit? And everybody's going, oh, I'd love to wear jeans. And he's like, no, nope, I would not change my uniform. And it's like, even in his fantasy, he can't imagine not hiding behind the uniform because he knows that if he was to ever allow himself to, to think of the, the life that he could have, had then it would just be a sort of slippery slope he's very similar i think to to fanny button the the prudish edwardian because she's also having to hide a lot of herself and there's an episode where he, she's reading lady chastely's Wait, her husband lover. cheated on her with another man well, yes he, she was married to somebody who was also closeted right, gay yeah. uh, as well so i guess she has some sympathy there but she's also having to hide her own sexuality and when she gets a bit hot under the collar reading lady chastely's lover the captain says to her you must take that emotion and bury it and that's what they had to do i mean she couldn't be a sexual woman he couldn't be a gay man um, they had to just lock it down and you can see that in how they present that they're both the characters that are so rigid so repressed so kind of no we do it this way no variation they've got no ability to adapt because if they let any little emotion up then uh, you know they, they would be ostracised or you're right or it's, actually because I never thought of that as you go through time mm. you can see sort of slightly less repression I suppose because mm. yeah. uh, you get to Pat, who died in 1984, mm. and you know he's a bit more open to things, I suppose. Yeah. Obviously, he's 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 got he had that denial about his 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 own yeah. uh, marriage and whatnot. But then you get into the 90s and uh, Julian, <laughs> who's uh, you know got no trousers on, got no trousers <laughs> on. So you, you do see that progression, mm. I suppose. Kyle, can you tell us a bit about the chart in the pantry? So Mike's got a ghost chart which tells him who the ghosts are and has representations of what they look like. Some of them are actual newspaper clippings, like Pat's um, obituary is an actual picture of him. But some of them are drawings, like, of Robin, which is like a doodle. And for Mary as well, he's got, like, a, a doodle as well of, like, a woman that's slightly toasted. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes, and that sort of helps him remember, like, who they are and what they look like. It's really interesting to not have like an actual knowledge of, of what they look like and sound like, despite the fact that he lives with them. He's just sort of like, I imagine there's something like this. There's a really fun bit in the new series 
where you get to see what he thinks Robin looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, that's what the that's what the ghost chart is there for. Nice, because she's constantly referencing these ghosts, and he's sort of got to guess what she means. I like. I think there's loads of shows around the world where you've got different writers on different episodes, you know, and there might be the same writer writing episode, the first episode and the last episode. Mm -hmm. With this, you've got pretty much the whole cast yeah. sharing writing duties in different combos, solo or in a pair yeah, yeah. throughout. And it, it, it always seems to have the same rhythm, the same vibe. Yeah. It's yeah. always consistently funny. How did you find that process? You're acting alongside the writers. Did that give you more freedom to dick about or less it, or it depends who wrote it interesting <laughs> yeah there's a very clear dynamic with the group and um you sort of know whether or not you should question <laughs> question something based on who wrote it you can say i feel like it's more like this i feel like it's more like that but then you also need to take a look at your watch and realize what time lunch is and decide whether you're <laughs> going to ask that question or not. Because some people are just more free than others and it's just their, their individual writing styles. But I feel like they do a very good job of it all coming out in the end as if it's one voice. Yeah. You don't ever yeah, feel... I, it feels super smooth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some questions from listeners. How do you feel about that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Caroline Hastings says, will Mary be seen in flashbacks again? That is a difficult question to okay. answer. We because, can leave it at um, that if you want. Yeah. Um, Are all of these questions just spoilers? <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Uh, she says, if Mike and Alison had a baby, would it see ghosts? Would it see the ghosts? That's interesting because there's a line from Mary's character that says that babies can see... The ghost. Oh, in... your niece can see it, can't she? Yeah, Mike's yeah, niece. in the Christmas episode, yeah. yeah, yeah. And dogs can see him. Yes, That's established. yeah, yeah, Barclay's dogs can see mm. the ghost, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine so. <laughs> they'd be half. They'd be... Brilliant. They'd, yeah. they'd be a little mixed. Mixed race ghost hunter. <laughs> yeah. I think that was definitely one of the things I wanted to be. Yeah, <laughs> Mi mixed the ghost. <laughs> okay, quick one from Carly in Brighton. Just ask, who's your favourite ghost? Go. Casper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Mary was my favourite uh, I just found her really funny yeah the unnecessary plurals yeah yeah, yeah. Every time. yeah but it changes it, mm. it often changes and I think Julian is really oh, fun as gosh. well the, the, it's the Tony Blair hands yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, he, yeah. when he started yeah oh man listen thank you so much for joining us. I know you've got to get a train up to your next appearance. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. won't keep you. We don't want you to miss that train. But um, ladies and gents, please show your love and appreciation for Kyle Smith. Bye now. And as ever, do follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, wherever you get your pods. Tell everyone about us. If you want to listen to Shrink the Box with no ads uh, and get Kermode and Mayo's take with all the bonus episodes and subscription stuff you can start a free trial right now by clicking try free at the top of the shrink the box show page on apple Podcasts or by visiting extratakes.com thank you to our production team uh production management is lily hambly uh give us a little cheer after each of these names uh lily hambly the assistant producer bashak ayrton social media jonathan Emieri. engineer for this live show is ed gill mix engineer gulliver tickle real name Senior producer is Selena Ream. 
Executive producer Simon Poole. And Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment production. They've had enough cheers. Sasha. Yes. Who have we got on the couch next week? Oh, well, um, it's very exciting. Um, we've got a clip, so we can have a listen. <laughs> All right, let's have a listen. Money. That which separates the haves from the have-nots. Patience. Frugality. Sacrifice. Deciding to invest in your family's future and taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. Mr. Bird? Hello. Trevor Evans, FBI. FBI? What's yeah. going on? We believe your husband's partner was murdered. What? Let's all stop playing this game, shall we? The lying, the running. Aren't you both tired? We made a choice to move our family to a more peaceful place. Mom, what are we doing here? Your father's laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. Money? Where's my five million dollars? Someone's going to die. Relax. Why do I have this feeling we both know that you'd be better off dead? Marty! We're gonna kill your family. And be done with all this madness. Jesus, Marty, he knows the kid's names. Last chance for witness protection. This is just another betrayal, isn't it? How long have you been planning this? You have walled me out. Oh my days, Ozark. Who who are we picking? We are picking somebody who so many people have requested. I, think I asked for her. You first. you did ask for her. Actually, I think one of our very first meetings. Very you, first you, meetings. Yeah. You, I said, you, get you were, her in. Yeah. Who is she? Wendy Bird. Wendy Bird. Have you seen Ozark? You don't oh, see those no. no. I'm so behind. You're too busy on, making TV, aren't I'm you? behind on a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Seen ghosts. It's brilliant. <laughs> a couple of, couple of apps. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, special one-off event. We're really excited to have you here. Thanks for listening to Shrink the Box. If you are regular listeners, if you aren't, I hope that you will be. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, this has been Shrink the Box, courtesy of Sony Music. Have a great rest of the day. Ta-da. Just a quick one to say thank you to the BBC for the use of all the ghosts clips we used in our special live episode. And the clip where Alison, Charlotte Ritchie and Mike Kyle Smith-Bino faced the mess after an all-back-to-mind session is from Ghosts Season 2, Episode 2, entitled About Last Night. And Reading Weddy is Season 2, Episode 3. The creators and writers are Matthew Bainton, Simon Farnaby, Martha Howe-Douglas, Jim Howick, Lawrence Rickard and Ben Wilbond. Those episodes were directed by Tom Kingsley. Ghosts was made by Monumental Pictures in association with Them Free for the BBC. Thanks for listening and see you next time.